What would make men's hearts failing them from fear? Well, the Gospel of Luke describes a time of calamities coming on the earth when the very powers of the heavens will be shaken. In other words, something bad could be about to happen, according to Bible prophecy. And the Holy Spirit drew my attention to this passage in Luke because when people are expecting negative things, they will have become conditioned into a worldly mindset that something bad is going to happen, and then they'll actually live their lives expecting doom and gloom. One translation of Luke's scripture puts Jesus' prophecy like this. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming on the world, for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. So we believers have to keep our minds steady and understand the times that we're approaching and know that all the birth pains of troubles and tumults in the world mean that Jesus' appearing is near, and that's good news. We should set our expectations on him. In fact, fear looks for the devil to act, but faith expects God to arrive on the scene. And the end times belong to God. He has spoken the end from the beginning, and we are admonished to look up. Our salvation is drawing near. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. People are worried about the economy, about various health issues, about violence in the earth, about all the wars and rumors of wars going on. But the Bible teaches that prior to the rapture, when Jesus comes to catch away true believers, business and life will be carrying on as usual, and there will still be a functioning economy as such. And how do I know this? Because Jesus said that as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be also in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. In Noah's day, the people were eating, drinking, and engaged in wedding ceremonies and so forth until the day that Noah entered the ark, and only then did the devastating flood come. And it was the same when Abraham's nephew Lot lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. Life continued, albeit it was a sordid existence, until Lot was physically dragged out of Sodom and Gomorrah by God's holy angels. And then fire and brimstone rained down from heaven to destroy those two notorious cities. Even so, Jesus said, it will be like Lot's day when the Son of Man is revealed. In other words, life will still be going on despite worsening conditions leading up to judgment. When he was explaining the end times to his disciples, Jesus cautioned them specifically to remember Lot's wife. Why? Because her focus was on worldly things. And so when the angels came to evacuate Lot and his family, his wife dragged her heels and looked back because she loved the world more than she loved God. And what happened? She was vaporized and crystallized and turned into a pillar of salt. 
Visitors to the Dead Sea today can see a famous pillar named after Lot's wife. In the Bible, believers are admonished to walk in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, and that we should bear fruit in every good work, all the while increasing in the knowledge of God. The Apostle Paul certainly was accurate when he prophesied that the last days will be perilous. The levels of depression and suicide are epidemic. After all, ours is the most prophesied period in human history. Eschatologists say about a third of the Bible's prophecies concern the times that we're living in right now, as Israel has been miraculously restored to her own land. And prior to the second coming of Jesus, the world will be experiencing birth pains, shakings, and calamities. And Jesus himself prophesied that these days are going to be increasingly the most difficult since the beginning of creation. And in fact, during the upcoming prophesied period known in the Bible as the Great Tribulation, those days, he said, will have to be shortened or no flesh would be left. But for the sake of the elect, the days of the Great Tribulation will be shortened. Well, prior to the rapture, when the church age will be completed, we're entering the most severe time in human history, and these days can be fatal because Jesus said in Luke chapter 21 that there will be signs in the sun, moon, and the stars, and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, while men's hearts will be failing them from fear and their expectations of those things which are coming on the earth. We believers must cultivate the awareness that Jesus is returning. Let that knowledge be a star that rises in our heart. But rather than having their minds set in faith as overcomers, Jesus said the average man's heart will be failing them from fear, anticipating all the calamities that are coming in the world. We believers need to be secure in Jesus, wearing the full armor of God provided for us in Ephesians chapter 6 to counter all of the depression, the mental health issues, and out-and-out -out demonic attacks. Let's rise to the occasion and demonstrate that indeed Jesus gave us authority over the power of the devil, and he equipped us to understand the battle that we're fighting. So my task today is to pray for myself and for you as we see the days becoming increasingly sobering and perilous and full of apostasy. I want to pray that we may be supernaturally fortified by the Lord with all power, according to his glorious might, for endurance and patience with joy and looking up because the signs of the times loudly trumpet to us that our redemption is drawing nigh. So let's talk about our need to finish well. There are great athletes, musicians, business people, influencers, communicators, teachers, and preachers who begin well with lots of promise, but not everybody finishes well. Many tragically fall into gross sin, drugs, scandal, and end up in the ditch, economic ruin, and their lives and reputations ruined. 
Planning to finish well is extremely important in a believer's life. And it's never more important than now because we're living in sobering times at the closing of the church age. And ours is the period, as I said, most prophesied about in human history in the Bible. Towards the end of his life, the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. My question for us today is, how can we be sure to stay on track, finish well and keep the faith? Are we running the race successfully? Well, thankfully, Proverbs 24, 16 declares that a righteous person may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked stumble in time of disaster and collapse. Let's steel ourselves and determine to survive these end times, which the Apostle Paul called perilous, perilous times even before the rapture. And Paul wrote in Acts 20, verse 24, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament declares that we're surrounded by an invisible great cloud of witnesses, believers who have passed on before us. They're watching. So let's determine to lay aside every sin that weighs us down so we can run with endurance the race that God has set individually before us. The Apostle Paul admonished us in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, don't you know that in a race only one person receives the prize? So he said, run that you may obtain it. He observed that every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They deny themselves just to receive a perishable prize. But you and I are supposed to be aiming for an imperishable reward. So Paul said, I buffet myself. He didn't say, I buffet myself. Paul wrote, I keep my body under, lest after preaching to others, I should be disqualified. He said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Messiah Jesus. Well, in my lifetime, I've seen a lot of people start out in the ministry very powerfully, but then they fizzled out or they fell into obscurity because they didn't count the price they'd have to pay or the cost of persecution. In the New Testament, the Apostle John also admonished us to watch out that we don't lose what we've worked for so that we can receive a full reward. Now, if we have trusted in the Lord's salvation, the good news is that we've already been delivered from the domain of darkness. And spiritually speaking, we've already been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son. If like many, you're struggling or even trying to keep your head above water, the apostle Paul also gave a word of encouragement to the Philippian congregation. He said, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. His point is the Lord will help us to keep our eye on the end goal to ensure that we finish well. And as we study Bible prophecy, the knowledge of end time prophecy protects us 
from all the fear and the doomsday predictions, like the talk we keep hearing about new strains of the virus that will be more contagious and more deadly than previous viruses. Let's not give in to depression and spirits of suicide, but rather let's determine with God's help to end well. A couple of years ago, it was very poignant to watch Evangelist Reinhard Bonka's farewell meetings in Africa. For 50 years, he had faithfully and systematically preached in Africa, pouring out his soul and his strength. I once read about a master's thesis that somebody researched, and the thesis surveyed the lives of many evangelists and concluded after the study that the average number of years that an evangelist functions well is only 14 years. That's due to the rigors, the physical and spiritual demands of the ministry office of an evangelist. We need to appreciate the extraordinary evangelistic careers of men like Billy Graham, Reinhard Baca, and David Hathaway, who's in his 80s. They have stayed in the race and not become eliminated for 50 years plus of preaching. When the average evangelist endures, according to the aforementioned study, for an average of only 14 active years. The right marriage partner is so very important in the equation of success. Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonka married wives that I knew who were pillars of strength. You see, this world is a minefield and there are all sorts of pitfalls and temptations that can take any of us down if we're not diligent and surrounded by the right persons. On the one hand, we are promised protection and God's help in the Bible, but we must also choose to walk wisely and not to make shipwreck of our faith. As we watched Reinhard Bonka finishing his race well, I asked God with renewed purpose for help to run my own race and with patience to finish well. And Reinhard didn't retire from preaching as people think of retirement. But he recognized that he no longer had the physical strength to keep traveling and doing the very rigorous field ministry of an evangelist. Believe me, nobody can comprehend the strength it demands to minister to thousands in foreign nations until you start to do it yourself. I'm so grateful that my husband Peter is co-evangelist because the job of preaching consecutive meetings and praying for multitudes of the sick and infirm is more demanding than most people have ever considered. One of the most exacting callings in the kingdom of God is to minister to thousands, to stay well, to travel, to sleep constantly in different places, to keep moving, to preach and teach morning, noon, and night, to eat meals at irregular hours, to faith in the finances that such a ministry entails, to overcome endless red tape, visa applications, airline flights, handling correspondence, persecutions, and just 101 other hurdles. I had studied the life of another missionary who saw multitudes embrace the Lord, but he ended his life with his organization in disarray. He also fell out with his family and was reportedly addicted to morphine at the end of his life. In his day, he exerted a lot of influence, but the accounts of his life reveal that he didn't end well. So we have always prayerfully to bear in mind that the Lord, thankfully, is the Alpha and the Omega. 
He initiates our work and calling, and we must obediently follow him from start to a good finish. The Apostle Paul was extremely conscientious and obsessed with finishing well. He continually compared the vocation of believers as being in a race to win the prize. And thankfully, at the end of his ministry, Paul wrote to his protege Timothy and testified that I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I kept the faith. Think back with me to the men and women who may have most influenced your life. Did they finish well? Well, sadly, not everybody does. And this doesn't mean that they lost their salvation, but finishing well will surely bring great honor to the Lord and a greater reward. For example, let's consider a man who finished well, the 19th century man of faith, George Mueller. After establishing an orphanage in England for more than 2,000 children, he continued to raise all the support for the orphanages, even while traveling in his day some 200,000 miles. He lived to be 93, and the day before he died, he was still handling orphanage correspondence and testifying that he felt fit. George Mueller moved to Bristol in 1832 to begin working at the Bethesda Chapel, and he continued preaching there until his death. Even while devoted to his other ministries, he had founded an organization with a goal of aiding Christian schools and missionaries. He distributed Bibles and Christian tracts, provided day schools, Sunday schools, and adult schools with a scriptural foundation. In fact, he established 117 schools, which offered Christian education to more than 120,000 persons. Not receiving government support and only accepting unsolicited gifts, his organization received and dispersed, according to Wikipedia, the equivalent of 113 million pounds by today's terms. By the time of Mueller's death, he had distributed about one and a half million New Testaments, and his work supported other faith missionaries around the world as well, such as the famous Hudson Taylor, who spent 51 years in China. And by the way, it's been said that no other missionary in the 19th centuries since the Apostle Paul has had a wider vision and has carried out a more systematic plan of evangelizing a broad geographical area than Hudson Taylor. And in our own lifetime, evangelist Reinhard Bonke also had a broad geographical vision of taking the gospel systematically from Cape Town to Cairo. And he worked very hard making progress toward the north of that continent. Hallelujah. Well, believers who, by the grace of God, are able to finish well are described in Hebrews chapter 12 and verses 1 to 3. And let's look more closely at those marvelous verses. Therefore, it says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. And who are these people in the cloud? First of all, of course, Jesus. We don't want to disappoint him. There's also my wonderful parents of blessed memory who fell asleep in Jesus and who are safe and secure with him in that cloud. There are many mentors who have gone on to glory, such as Reinhard Bonke, we have a network in heaven of those who have influenced us either in real life or by reading about their lives if they lived in another century or locale. As members of the body of Messiah, we enjoy this communion of the saints. Wonderful prayer partners have gone on before us and 
are also part of this great cloud of witnesses who are watching our race now from the heavenly grandstands. And so to continue in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off every weight that hinders us and the sin that so easily besets us. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us. Amen. One commentary on this verse says that everyone who finishes well has had a weight problem. That's right. Even people as physically skinny as Audrey Hepburn. But you still have to shed every weight, meaning every problem and hindrance that will so easily eliminate you or take you out. After all, runners in a race, no extra pounds will slow them down and they can't wear a lot of heavy clothing. So the person who finishes well overcomes the handicap of besetting sins. And let's not make the mistake of being jealous and looking at somebody who appears to be successful and think that he or she has had it easy. No, every successful person has custom-made crosses to bear. We all have a spiritual weight problem to shed. We all have to shed hindrances. There's not one of us who is immune from cross-bearing and having to overcome issues that would otherwise disqualify ourselves. But here's the key. Paul said, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen. So the key to finishing well is to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. If being hurt by the church causes you to lose faith in God, then your faith was in people, not in the Lord. And because nobody's perfect, it's inevitable that people are going to disappoint us. Never forget that. People will betray us, hurt us, slight us, abandon us, use us spitefully. So we have to keep our eyes on the only truly faithful one, Jesus, and learn to lean on him. Again, using the language of a runner, the Apostle Paul testified in Philippians chapter 3, I press on to take hold of that for which Messiah Jesus took hold of me. This one thing I do, he said, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Messiah Jesus. So let's purpose to keep calm, get some discipline in our life and move forward, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That prevents us from becoming discouraged, especially when bad people seem to be winning. Keeping our eye on the Lord helps us to stay in the race. I was devastated to learn of a man of God who withdrew from the race because the persecution for him was just too severe. But Paul confided to his protege, Timothy, that a worker named Demas had deserted him because of the love of this present world. Indeed, many jump into the ministry, attracted to the glory of being in the limelights, without considering the consequences that the ministry is, in fact, a servant calling. Paul exhorted believers from the pages of the New Testament, agonizing, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? 
Jesus talked about dropouts and deserters, those who go AWOL. Great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them in Luke chapter 14, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, and hate he used as a Hebraism for preference, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate or rather prefer the Lord above his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he said, he cannot be my disciple. And Jesus added, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. You see, without real Bible faith and continual trust in God, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and rely on the fact that he rewards those who diligently seek him. So I encourage you today, don't grow weary in well-doing. For the Bible promises that in due season we shall reap if we don't faint and give up. We have the wonderful promise that we are not alone during these dangerous days and perilous times. Jesus promised all believers, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You don't know, I don't know what is going to happen tomorrow, but we have the guarantee that the Lord will be with us. Gaining a mindset to end well is not the kind of message that you'll hear in church services where they're emphasizing how to fulfill your dreams, but ending well is ultimately part of fulfilling our dream. So I've shared with you today the realities of true Bible teaching. Jesus said, when you see Bible prophecies begin to happen, then we should look up. We should lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing near. We should do that rather than getting depressed. The end times should be encouraging because the signs of the times prove that Jesus is coming, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Jesus promised, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Amen. Well, today I want to leave you with an important charge that Paul made to his protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Let these words be a rhema, an enlightened word for myself and for you. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But you watch in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Amen. Let's walk in the Lord's power, appropriating all the promises of God. In the meantime, do feel free to write to me with any questions through social media or also contact me at our website, exploits.tv. And at our website, you can subscribe to our weekly email updates. And all of our previous videos are available continuously, as well as an archive of articles on end-time topics, faith, and healing. And a reminder, download our free Jerusalem Channel app from your favorite app store to watch our videos 
anytime on your mobile phones or tablets. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Dark, Maranatha, and Shalom.